0: Coming up on the Assassins podcast, we've got Kurt Davis, author of Navigate the Lighthouse, the BD Assassin Extraordinaire, talking about large deals, the process of international deal making, and how Kurt approached doing larger BD carrier deals from his early days at Boku Mobile Payments Company, the process of crossing the second chasm. What is the second chasm, and how founders should be thinking about it approaching? That, and then lastly, we round it out. Talk about navigating the lighthouse, and when a company should actually make the leap to hire their first BD hire, and what they should be looking for in that person, and thinking about the structure of their team. Short episode, but sweet. Kurt uh, is a true BD extraordinaire. All right, without further ado, assassins, let's get into the show.
1: Giddy up. Assassin's state of mind, the a- hustle, grind. Mind. See mind. A- hustle mind. grind. See them dollar signs, assassin's state of mind, assassin's state of mind, hustle, <sighs> grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin's a- state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs, assassin's state of mind, assassin's state of mind, hustle, grind. See them dollar signs way above the bottom line, assassin's state of mind. They say money over everything, everything.
0: What is going on, everybody? Happy change. Friday. It's your What's host, Justin Hey here get? at The Assassins Podcast. For every week, we have founders on, telling their stories going from zero to one. This week on the podcast, we've got a dear friend of mine. He's an author, an investor, He's the guy that first introduced me to the entire field of business development, all in a laundry room in North Beach at the Crystal Tower Apartments. He's currently disrupting the dental space as the CEO and co-founder of BiteLine. Kurt Davis,
2: welcome to the Assassin's Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, and uh, what a great intro, and uh, who would have thought from the crystal powers, crystal towers in the laundry room to to now this is where we, we'd be so
1: <laughs>
2: uh, i'd always you like were... to say i'm not a zero to one kind of guy i'm a i'm a one to five so for all the listeners out there the first
0: time yeah. i ran into kurt again it was in the laundry room in the basement of the crystal tower apartments i think it was like 15 years ago or 20 years ago and he was he was rocking a davidson sweatshirt being from wisconsin just talking mad smack because that was the year that steph curry i think hit like 43s in the game and eliminated us from the ncaa (laughs) tournament so glad that we got to that place and we were able to you know
2: finally come full circle and glad to be here (laughs) and keep the davidson pride going of course and contribute to the podcast and to your audience let's get in so i gave
0: a little bit about your background but would love yeah to hear a little bit more about what you're working on at bite Line.
2: My new project is ByteLine and I've been back in the Southeast now for three years, really just helping my parents who fell ill and family and, and in the meantime had been writing books and then I published the, this book that we'll talk about, Navigate to the Lighthouse, and then started looking at companies in the Southeast to help. I mean, the startup scene is bubbling everywhere and people all want to be involved in it. So I kind of kicked my roots and went back to Davidson to see if there was anything happening. And Met a company run by a young entrepreneur named Will, and started to coach him and invested in BiteLine, which is a platform that connects dental offices with professionals. And then the pandemic hit, and as we know, the medical field basically was upended. Full time work kind of stopped, and everybody started working part time. And now the tem- now all the workers are like, this part time work is a is a cool thing. And so the dental industry had some hardships in trying to restaff people and the hygienists and professionals decided they'd work temporary and wanted to work at many offices and so rather than stay at one office down the road they would elect to work at 30 or 40 offices within a 15 to 20 mile radius and so so that's precisely what bite line went off to do It started to to get uh, a lot of traction we had over two thousand professionals in the southeast sign up and then we had some offices start paying for the service and earlier uh, middle of last year will decided he was getting a bit burnt out and asked me if i'd like to come run it and i said yeah i'll come run it and see how it goes and since then we've kind of grown the company 5x uh, in six months and are in the process of raising money and growing our footprint across north carolina south carolina as i speak and uh, so we'll see how it goes but excited about the idea excited about the grander vision which is helping medical staffing facilities all around the country, and and then go out from there. Yeah, I think it's talking about going back to your
0: roots. You're probably one of the most well-traveled guys that I've ever had the opportunity to interact with. You've always had a sort of an international focus to the nature of your work on deal-making and the investments you've made. And I know most recently, we talked about your book, but most recently, you spent some time in Kenya and throughout parts of Asia. But I'd be curious, yeah, just like going back to some of the earlier work that you did, but what led you to focusing on global markets and opportunities? I'd also love to hear a little bit more about the story behind Finding
2: Soul, your book. Uh, What was the inspiration for that? I came out of college and I had a keen interest during college in Japan and economics. I studied the Asian economies and that was the time when there was the Asian crisis in 97, but it had started picking up and it was very clear that Asian innovation and technologies were uh, permeating the U.S., you know, be it cars and Toyotas and Hondas and Nintendos. And I also like baseball, so the Japanese and my dad and I had a kind of a connection with Japanese stuff. We, we were really interested in it. And so I kind of thought, well, I'd like to see the world a little bit. It, and There are some people who, had, Davidson College is a big study abroad program. And most of the students at some point go abroad or do some type of work. And actually one of my baseball teammates went to Japan and taught English over there after college. And so he he advised that I go do the same thing. And so it was the same program. So I really wanted to learn about Asia and these new economies. And I wasn't really interested in sitting in a bank or a consulting firm or selling something. And I always like teaching. So I was like, hey, this is a cool idea. So I, I got the job and went out there and then got lucky. And Found a finance job in Hong Kong and stayed for three years. And then I went to Shanghai and studied Chinese and kind of started a mobile games company, which, which probably I, I probably would have done in retrospect again. I probably would have just study Chinese and maybe work some odd jobs or something. But I think that experience was just kind of awesome in the sense of it was very early days of the China story, really understanding like how these Asian economies were going to evolve and just being part of it was really interesting. And then then I came back to California, and I was like, I like to work on building a startup, and and that's what led me to getting involved with Boku, which was which is about the book Navigate to the Lighthouse, and that too was very international. That company ended up doing eighty percent of its business in Japan and Asia because it was carrier billing, and I went back out and worked on those deals. So all of that stuff came to a head at Boku, and all that Asian business was I was able to. To to make come to fruition there, so it was all a very good experience. But going back after I worked at Boku and I went back to Japan to build out that business after 2016 or 17, I kind of got burned out. I I was sick of doing the same thing, selling the same thing. I had stayed at the company quite a long time, possibly too long in many regards, and decided I'd just go travel into a part of the world I'd never seen before, and that was Africa. There's been a lot of talk about kind of companies and the new world of Africa and all the stuff happening out there. And I just wanted to see it firsthand. And so I just took some time and backpacked, volunteered at incubators and accelerators where I started the presentation about how to do sales and business development for entrepreneurs. And that's, that foundation became the book actually. And then went around, even worked at some water wells, things like that, building water wells and things like that. So did kind of everything. And then I wrote a book about that journey called Finding Soul. So how the journey changed me as a person, uh, as well as everything I experienced in it. So it's kind of the combination of both. It's a lot, a lot of ground covered in the
0: pandemic for sure. I actually, I just started reading Navigate to the Lighthouse. And if you're in, if you're a large deal maker and either BD executive or in sales, it's
2: gold. How do you like the voice? Is it an easy read? It's is it not, a fun read? Is it is it boring? Is it how do you feel about that?
0: No, dude, it's very it's very personal. You get a very good sense for your style in it. You know? I always um, find it's like it's funny though, if you're doing an audiobook and somebody's ghost reading it and you meet that person in person and there's just mm-hmm. a really big disconnect. Because I've also had that happen too, where it's like, oh man, this person is very, very different. Than the person that I just listened to for four and a half hours, so yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a funny dynamic too. But for navigate to the lighthouse for our listeners, I was hoping to have you explain like what is the lighthouse and you talk about in the book the idea of crossing two chasms. And I think most most startup people are familiar with the idea of crossing the chasm, but I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, what are the two chasms? And as you think about one or two tactical things that entrepreneurs should be thinking about when they're trying to close big, big
2: deals. So I think, you know, when we talk about Crossing the Chasm, Jeffrey Moore's book, you know, is dated 20 years ago, but he talks about how do you kind of move from this early adopter market to the, the, the next phase of people? And a lot of the stuff that he talks about is is right. He talks about the partnership mentality, the consulting, the getting other clients to re, you know, use those references, you know some of these basic things. But the game has changed because some of the deals now are so massive. And so y- you can't walk in with a salesperson and a technology engineer to go close a deal in that first chasm. But in the second chasm, when you're dealing with Microsofts and Apples and whatever else, you got to walk in with the full house. You got to walk in with your investors, your CEO, your CTO the head of business development all the way down to maybe the engineer working on the implementation project so you need a full-on team and this is called team sales and it's in the book and and how you get your team how you galvanize your team and it's very important because they need to be resourced as well the other is about planning and strategizing really trying to understand the the reason these companies are going to buy or partner with you to understand economics, to understand competitive advantages, how the technology plays into their strategic thinking. We're not talking about selling Salesforce. We're talking about a, a project that it significantly impacts the other company as well as your company, right? And so that's a strategic deal. And you need to understand what the factors are in, in involving their analysis of you as well as your analysis of them. And so that part is really important at the beginning and in the decision-making process. So at the end, the secret sauce really is how do you get the lighthouse to dance? How do you get them to listen? What, what phrases do you say? Do you make ostensible threats? Do you make, do you threaten that you won't work with them, but you'll work with their competitor? Do you understand the priority checklist on their side? Do you understand where you stand? Are they really being honest with you or are they, are they dragging you along with another competitor? How do you know what to say vis a vis other competitors? We have a whole sequence of Words, phrases we use to to talk about that. So, and then you know, how do you get this thing over the, the finish line? You mentioned obviously the experience
0: with Boku was pretty informative on how you think about deal making. Again, the intersection of a lot of the global work you did, and y'all we were doing these large carrier deals, and you were it was obviously like a crucial part of the company's mm-hmm. growth and revenue strategy. And as a first time founder. Thinking, of most of our listeners here are first-time founders. What are, what are like a couple things that founders should be thinking about in terms of timing of their first BD hire mm-hmm. and if they're trying to do bigger deals? And as the first BD hire inside of a high-growth startup like Boku, you know what should that person do to be the most effective that they can in their role?
2: Well, I think when to hire is is important. Now, a lot of companies are doing founder-led sales which fine at the early stage might work fine. I'm not sure that's a great use of time, but it's fine. But once you start to really penetrate that early adopter market, you have to start to think, what do I do to get to the next level? And that's that's kind of when you should start to hire the BDE guy or a girl. It should be early enough to, to know that, hey, this is not going to last forever. We need to, to shift somewhere else. And that person needs to come in and start thinking about that. And then for them to be successful Corporate planning, planning at the company level is very important. Knowing where this person's spending time, knowing how much how much time on the deals, how the deals are moving, what kind of traction they're getting, clear transparency and communication discussions with these other companies, and then patience, right? Just kind of trusting the process. Because I think depending on what stage they are, a CEO, yeah, I think our CEO is really good at that. Mark Brito was just trusting the process, like the process is happening. These are the communications, these are the signs, these are the go signals. Let's keep going. And with those, he's able to maintain the deal cadence. And so that's very important. What I've heard from other people is like, how do you know these deals are going to happen? And we pulled the plug on this. I'm like, You pulled the plug on it. Like, you give it a shot. You were five months in. and This is going to take 18 months to get done. And so what happens is you get immature entrepreneurs. Who don't understand the deal cycles of these big deals. And uh, I think there's a section in there. I think the start of the third chapter, I talk about know the deal cycle. If you don't know the deal cycle, you're not going to have the resolve to get these things done. And so that's really important. I know you've got a lot going on here the rest of the day. So we're going to wrap.
0: Wanted to give you some space to see if there was anything else that you wanted to plug
2: Read the book. I think it's a good book. It really shows you a different perspective on how to think through running a business too. It's not just BD, but it's it's running a startup through the lens of getting deals done. And that's everything from planning to resource allocation, to risk management, to international M&A, corporate dev at a startup level. It gives you a different perspective of doing something that is really not the way why Combinator does things. It's not the way tech stars, these incubators tell you to do things. And ma- ma- many of those companies are not successful. You only hear about the ones that are. So it's a different perspective. And I think it's well worth the read if you were an entrepreneur to get a different perspective out there.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming on, Kurt. Best of luck to you and the team as you grow and, and scale up ByteLine. Thanks for having man, me. And I hope we y'all enjoyed, the- enjoyed it. All right, man. Thanks, Kurt. All right. That is a wrap. Again, shout out to my good friend, Kurt Davis, the entire team at ByteLine. If you are a BD professional or enterprise sales professional, strongly encourage you to check out Navigate the Lighthouse, uh, thinking about ways to build the case for business development in your company. Or if you're a founder just trying to figure out when to hire your first BD hire, it's a great book. Strongly encourage you to check that out. Uh, this week, I'm actually going to be in Toronto at the Collision Conference. Going to be facilitating a panel on sustainability with three exceptional founders. So be on the lookout for that. If you're in Toronto, check out that panel on Thursday. Uh, I also have an interview queued up with Edith Harbaugh, the CEO of Launch Darkly, early days zero to one from Launch Darkly. That's uh, an exceptional interview with a ton of takeaways for first-time founders in there and the process that launched darkly went through taking the company from zero to one. So be on the lookout for that next week. In the meantime, appreciate y'all tuning usling, in. Usling. Grind, keep hustling. Grind,
1: keep grinding. Assassin's of mine. Us. Grind. See them dollar signs assassin state of mind assassin state of mind hustle grind you. see them dollar signs way above the bottom line assassin state of mind hustle grind see them dollar signs assassin state audi- of mind assassin state of mind hustle grind see them dollar signs way above the bottom line assassin state of mind they say money over everything for wedding rings, Salaries, startups, crypto, stock exchange. Appreciate every penny. I can change one phone call and your life can change. What's your love language? Can't do business if it ain't reciprocated. Closing deals on a daily.